0: tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Carla has been doing TNR with the RIT community for around 15 years. She works with RIT, the RIT community and community members caring for ferals, friendlies, and community cats. She started feeding and caring for the cats on the west side of campus about eight years ago, seven days a week, and it was getting to be a bit much. She was contacted by some students who saw some cats at a student apartment complexes around the campus and they joined forces. The relationship has morphed into a student-run club with over 400 members, an executive board, and subcommittees. Carla, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you.
1: It's wonderful to be here.
0: So before we jump into all of the work that you do at RIT, which is uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology, right? That's correct. Before we talk in detail about that and that program,
1: tell me first, you know how did you become passionate about CATS? Well, growing up, my whole family are cat lovers. So all my life, I've had a cat. Even when I was in college, I had a cat. And we had all different kinds, Calico, Siamese, you know, just the whole tabbies, the whole run of the mill. And I had we had a dog when my kids were younger. And that's when I think I it really solidified that I cared for cats a lot more than I care. I mean, I like dogs. Don't get me wrong. I like dogs. But I am just a cat person. I love their independence. I love their individuality. I love that I can go away for two days, and my cat will be fine. <laughs> so I just... There's something about cats, and each one has its own individual personality. I know dogs do too. But I I think what I really like about cats the most is their arrogance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and each one has their own unique style of how to express their superiority and their confidence and all that stuff. They all communicate in very different ways, which is really exciting and interesting from, from those of us who are... Cat lovers for sure. Yeah. So, Carla, you talked a bit about doing TNR. So, you know, how did you figure out what Trap New to Return was? It seems that that was what came before getting involved with the college specifically and developing this group. So,
1: you know, how'd you learn about Trap New to Return? The program at RIT actually started out as a community group. Um, Some people who live across the street from the university. They're cat lovers, pet lovers, and the cats were following the gentleman home because he would ride his bike around campus and he saw the cats, So he would throw some food here and there and they started following him home across this really busy street and he started to get concerned. And so he went back on campus and just kind of scoped it out and looked around and realized there were about 80 to 90 cats on campus and so he, they started doing, this couple started doing the TNR work. When I first came to work at RIT, I knew what TNR was as far as spade and neutering, but not the whole release thing. So I got educated with them. We took care of some farms around Henrietta, helped them with their overpopulation of cats, helped them TNR them, and then started working more By the time I started working with them, they had already gotten the cat population down to about 22 from 80 to 90 cats. And um, that, to me, showed that the program works. So it really reinforced me wanting to do this on a university campus. And the fact that one of the reasons the cats were there was because of the students. They would leave for Christmas and just let the cat out or graduate and just leave the cat out. There had been times when we found turtles, hamsters, fish sitting in front of the garbage bins alive, and that just blew us away. So we decided that there needed to be some education with the students and when i started feeding them and the students started come i became recognized as oh that's the lady that feeds the cats and so they started coming to me whenever oh i saw a cat over here or oh there's a cat it needs some food and so it just from that i just started working with the students that lived around campus
0: what i think is really interesting that you were just you know talking about there was the the fact that students needed an education and it's also they needed to probably know that there were other resources and other options available to them other than that. I mean, when I was running the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society doing a trap new to return for 300 cats on the Newbury Port waterfront, I wasn't. Tons of other volunteers were doing that work, but I was helping with the organization. But we used to have people sort of leave their cats like at our feeding stations or yeah. something like that and then once we communicated into the community that we had an adoption center and there was an option there and we were you know open admission and willing to assist any cat in need we saw all of those drop offs sort of disappear because there was an alternative and it was a better alternative and one that oh i have that option i can do that so you know, over the course of it didn't happen overnight, but it was a couple of years of communicating this where then we the number of drop offs we saw went down substantially because there was this alternative resource that seemed to be a better option. So, I mean, if you were going to leave your cat behind, at least do it in Nick carrier by the shelter rather than, you know, just letting them loose at, at the feeding station. I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about RIT in the community, Rochester, you are in upstate New York. Is that correct? And tell me a little bit about what the community is like. Is it an urban area, suburban, rural? Tell me a little bit about what your population's like. Uh,
1: We are in upstate New York, and I just want to clarify the upstate. Uh, Upstate to us is six hours away from New York City, not one hour away from New York City. Um, It's very rural um, in the sense that I can drive seven minutes and be in a cow pasture or in a cornfield. Um, it's beautiful. And there's deer everywhere. We have deer on campus. It's in a suburb of Rochester. Um, Rochester has about, I think, a million people now. And Henrietta is one of the suburbs. To get from Henrietta to downtown Rochester is only about 15 minutes. So it's not that far. They have, uh, in Henrietta, a lot of shopping malls restaurants and that kind of thing but for the students that live on campus it's not convenient to get to the city because the only way to do it if they don't have a car is by bus and the bus transportation is very lengthy process but with there being deer on campus we do have to be careful about the deer eating the cat's food so we have cameras at the various shelters to keep an eye on what is going on at the shelter as well as Is the cat actually eating the food, or is it a raccoon, or is it a possum? We had this one possum, he was hilarious. I would yell, Here, kitty, 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 whenever I would feed, so the cats would know the food was there. And this big, huge, fat possum would come waddling up every day. And I'm like, This is, you are not a cat.
0: (laughs) So let's uh, start at the beginning. Tell us the story of how you got this campus you know, club, the campus club, the campus program, the TNR program going on a college campus. It's not talked about that often. You know, there aren't that many college campuses that have a trap new to return program available there for cats. So tell me a little bit about how you got this program started.
1: Well, ironically, cats aren't allowed on campus. They're not allowed to have pets on campus if they're living in the dorms. There are apartment complexes around the campus that all allow pets. So even if they're not living on campus, sometimes the cats still obviously wind up on campus. There was no real communication with the students as far as education, telling them where they could go to take their cat if it was sick. Or if you can't keep your cat, you can turn it over to us without any questions asked, if you have, you know, exhausted all chances of rehoming your pet, we will rehome it for you. And that was one of the things that we really wanted to instill into the students. So by me feeding the cats around campus, and the other couple feeding the cats, I kept saying, The cats are here because of the students the students need to get involved and nobody wanted to step into that role of really reaching out to the students and pulling them in so when they came to me saying you know there's these cats that need fed and i said well if i give you the food will you feed them and they said oh sure of course so that's how it began we started setting them up on a schedule of feeding the various shelters And then um, that went on for about five years. And then there was this wonderful student named Kate and she was really involved. Meg was first and then Kate. And I said, we ended up falling under a different shell, a different club, the rescue shelter club, because we needed to be nonprofit in order to benefit from not having to pay taxes on the food, you know, trying to be able to get grants and that type of thing. So. RIT is a not-for-profit college. And I said, well, we're already a not-for-profit. Why go out and create a whole new not-for-profit? If I can get the students involved to help run this, we will fall under that not-for-profit status. So that's basically what I did. We fell under the Rescue Shelter Club for about two and a half years and then petitioned to become our own club. And so you have to have four people for a board for the club, and so that was done. We started in 2017 as our own club, and from then we've grown from like maybe 30 students to over 400 now. And we have shelters, we build shelters, we help the community. We have people that are in lower income areas of Rochester that need shelters, the community cats need shelters. So we work with one of the classes, it's called the 365 program, and it's for freshmen to teach them about RIT. They have asked us to come into their class, educate them about our club, and then they build shelters for us. So it's kind of a, you know, hand in hand. Uh, joint venture which has really been working out really well Um, and now that we've done that this is the second year we worked with the class the the programs are growing because once you have a shelter it needs maintained we live in a very high snow area we get a lot of snow here we get a lot of lake effect snow so in the winter the snow piles up so bad that our sh- our shelters have to be on top of pallets in order for the cats to be able to get into the shelters and not have to trape through too much snow. But we put tarps over them and pull the tarp out far enough so the food can go right under the tarp and the snow doesn't fall in the food, which is an educational process for the student feeders. And we just started, um, well, this year we now have a maintenance committee. We have a maintenance chair. We have a foster chair who is now in charge of students fostering the pets they're in charge of cat sitters so that for the break between fall and spring when they go away there's someone to come and check on their cat for them Um, We have the fosters who are fostering the cats and then adopt. Now we also have an adoption chair. So um, just this week alone, we've adopted out five cats. And as things go along and the more the students learn, I see who's taking the initiative and taking leadership roles. And I think that's one really important thing about working on a college campus with student clubs. That's one of the roles that it is supposed to perform and that is teaching leadership. And so well, we have a president a vice president a secretary and a treasurer and now not only do we have those positions we have chair positions on the subcommittees so it's more than just two positions being leadership roles and i am more of a i'll show you how to do it but then you're going to have to do it. And for me, that's a leader. And so I I show the chairs, I show the people who are in charge of the feeding committees, you know, this is how the shelter should look. This is how you should feed. This is when you should feed. If it's below 32 degrees, do not feed wet food because it's going to freeze. So it's just little things like that, that I don't realize how much information there is until I start Telling them and then I'm like, Oh yeah. And then there's this. Oh, and this, you know, and then the same thing with TNR. We're going to start doing more educational courses on TNRing because we have spottings. It's, it's very cool because the students on campus, we have a spot on our, we have a discord and. We have a spot on the Discord that's called Cat Sightings. So most of the people know the cats that are on campus on a regular basis. And if they see a new cat, they'll snap a picture of it, tell us where they saw it, what time of day they saw it. So if it's someone, you know, if it's a cat that we have never seen before, we're going to check it out and see what the deal is. If we've only seen it one time and it never shows up again, then we don't worry about it. But sometimes like there, there's there been kittens spotted and, you know, those kinds of things. And we have to grab those up as quickly as we can.
0: As someone who's juggling it all, trying to keep people and pets together, you need easy access to resources to help you do just that. That's where Maddie's Pet Forum comes in. From adoption SOPs to TNR guidelines, you'll find it all. Have you joined yet? It's free. Visit forum.maddiesfund.org cats today.
1: I'm Dr. Rachel Geller, Cat Behavior and Retention Specialist. Just like I have the answers to your Cat Behavior questions, Telecom Consultants has all of the answers for monthly cost reduction on your business telephone and utility bills. Save money and call 617 290 3374 and mention the Online Behavior Day for a no cost bill analysis.
0: If you're running a rescue, you're probably overloaded with tons of tasks, pulling you in even more directions, dog and cat intakes, volunteers to communicate with, fosters to find and pass info to, and don't forget about managing the all-important donations. It's easy to become overwhelmed, miss critical information, and worst of all, lose volunteers. Buzz to the Rescues offers an integrative platform that can help you gain back your time, streamline your workload, and clearly communicate with everyone on your team. Learn more at www.rescueyourrescue.com and gain back your peace of mind today. I have a quick question for you. Just, just for folks that might not know, you said we have a Discord. What is a Discord? Um, well,
1: it's a software app that it's like a channel I don't want to say it's like Facebook because it is, but it isn't because there's, you can put pictures on there, but it's mostly text and you have different channels. Like we have an executive board channel, a feeder channel, a backup feeder channel, a cool cat pictures channel where each day people, we just post pictures of cats and just, you go on there and and it pings your phone when you get notices, notifications. And so we, that's how we communicate across the whole club so we have 400 people on our discord so and if you don't want to know about the feeders you don't have to because it's a separate channel. But if you wanna know what's going on, like me for instance, I'm the advisor, I go through all the channels to see and there are times when I have to chime in because when they feed the cats, they take pictures of the food and the water and if the tarp's not over the food, I'm like, excuse me, can you make sure that that tarp is pulled over the food? And they're like, oh yeah, sorry about that. Hey, I'll make sure to do that next time. Or if it's 32 degrees or below, we put hot hands in the shelters. To, to try to give them a little bit of warmth and then we don't give them water because it's going to freeze. And then little things like that, they're like, okay, when do I stop feeding wet food? So we have a one student feeds dry food all the time. Another student, if they're not feeding wet food, they're doing hot hands. So it's a joint venture so that one person's not stuck with the complete commitment And that was really great about having 400 students Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to help. And so it's wonderful that they want to help and we want them to help and we want them to have something to do. So by breaking it up, it made it a lot more easier to do.
0: How many cats are you supporting? How many what I would call feeding stations? I don't know if you just call them shelters, but we used to call them feeding stations. How many feeding stations is the club supporting?
1: Right. Um. All of our feeding stations have a shelter. So we basically, that's why we just call them shelters, the feeding at the shelter. Um, we have uh, two, three, four, five, six. Six on the west side of campus. And then there's probably another six on the east side of campus that the first uh, gentleman and his wife that started the whole Caring Hearts for RIT Cats, he takes care of that. And I've tried to get him to release his commitment. And and I've let him know, you know, we have 400 students and they want to help and they want to feed the cats. And he's like, that's okay. I'm just going to continue feeding the cats. (laughs) (laughs) So he doesn't want to give it up. Initially, I was a little worried that it wouldn't be sustainable with the students. And this is my third set of a board and this has been the best year and we're growing and we're learning and we're expanding our our services and it really does my heart good because i want to retire one day and i was so worried about leaving the cats and what state they would end up in and i've also started grooming another employee On becoming an advisor, so she's coming in to the meetings with us and learning all about what we're doing. She does rescue herself already, and that's how I brought her in, and so it's, it's becoming very educational the way that we're doing it so next year when the next board comes in it's probably going to be someone who was in a leadership role and really took on the responsibility and was you know committed and was always did what they said they would do and they will probably be elected to the next president and then with the advisor the same thing you know she's coming in she's seeing what's being done and it's It's more of a shadowing situation so that she learns. I mean, she already knows TNR, but she's learning how our program is run.
0: So if there was another college, somebody listening to this podcast, and they were like, wow, I'd love to have this at my college, what would your recommendations
1: be? First of all, I would recommend finding where the cats are. Um, And initially trying to start out getting them fed and TNR'd, you can always, there's always students around. And if you have, what I have found is if I have a cat, so many people come up to me, can I pet your cat? You know, and we have a wellness program here too. And we work with the wellness program because a lot of students have um, emotional support cats. And so, I work hand-in-hand hand with the wellness department in that respect. I had one student come up to me, it almost broke my heart, because they were the apartment was going to make him get rid of his cat, and he was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, this is my cat, and uh, he said something to the effect of his emotional wellness animal, and I said, well, do you have a permit, you know, have you talking to your doctor, and he goes, no, and I'm like, do you have a doctor, and he said, yes, and I said, you're set. Go talk to your doctor. Sure enough, he went, boom, got the thing, and he was all set. A lot of students would benefit from having an animal that helps support them emotionally. I have a 43-foot catamaran down on the Gulf Coast, and the people at the marina know I do TNR. So the last time I drove down, I, my phone rings, and it's the marina, and they're like, we have a cat. And I'm like, "Um, Okay. And and they're like, well, what do we do with it? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? (laughs) They're like, well, we trapped it. It was on someone's boat. And so I said, just put it on my boat. So they had it in a have a heart trap because I gave them one and they put it on my boat. And in five days, I got the cat spayed and adopted out in the five days that I was there, you know, and it's just if people know what you're doing, they will come out of the woodwork, you know. It's like build it and they will come. Um, so it's what I would suggest is talking to coworkers as well. Um, if you need to start it out with staff and faculty, your coworkers to get it started so that you have some type of an oversight thing. And then you, I'm sure all your staff and faculty know students. Who would probably like to help with that? The conversation of cats comes up in classrooms quite often. Um, and especially here on campus, I just found that out. And so you talk to your coworkers and you say, Hey, I'd like to do this, you know, and try to try to get them to come in with you and help you. And then just start bringing students in. It'll be a slow process, usually. Like I said, I was feeding for seven years all by myself on the west side of campus. And then it's been going now. This is our fifth year of really working with the students. And now we have over 400 students. So, you know, if the commitment's there and you really want to do it, it's definitely possible. Yeah, we do t-shirt fundraisers to help us raise funds to feed for the spay and neutering, for the food, for vet bills and that kind of thing.
0: Well, one thing that I think is very clear based on this conversation today is that Uh, You are a cheerleader and an advocate. I mean, I can feel the energy coming through Zoom and I think that that's probably a great way to be able to recruit new strengths because you've got positive energy and you are like, you're not asking the world from people. You're just saying, you know, hey, if you can only do this, then do this and it's, it's okay, it's fine. We've got, we're 400 people strong. So it's okay so it's not so overwhelming. So I think that that's great. Um, If folks are interested in finding out more about the program at RIT and the work that you're doing, how would they do that?
1: Um, We do have a Facebook page, and it's called Caring Hearts for RIT Cats. And then we also have an email, which we get emails from all over the place. We've gotten emails from Ohio um, asking about, what do I do? Um, And our uh, email is caringhearts at rit.edu. Um, and that will come right to our club. Um, we had some students in Ohio and they're like, we found these two cats in Ohio. Can we bring them? <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh, can't you just leave them in Ohio? <laughs> Isn't there somebody there? <laughs> so they're bringing them to Rochester <laughs> and we're going to help them foster them. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just about the no questions, um, and that was the one thing about educating the students. You know, the one reason that cats are on campus is because the students have the cats. They get to campus, and they're like, oh, I love cats. I want to have a cat. They get a cat, and then they realize, you know, oh, mom used to feed the cat, or mom used to do the litter box, or, and then they don't realize that it does require time, and it does require money, so um, just to be educated, you know, to send that education out as well as If they can't care for their cat, we don't wanna berate them. We we want them to know that it's perfectly fine and that we will take their cat lovingly and make sure to find a nice home for it. When we do adopt out any cats, one of our stipulation is if you can't keep this cat, you need to contact us back again and we will take the cat back no matter what. So I think that and just involving your community, Uh, There might even be clubs on campus that you're not aware of, like that we had the Rescue Shelter Club, and that's how we were able to pair with them to start out, you know. And so maybe there is some resource out there that would help them or a community group that will help show them the ropes on how to get started and how to do it. Excellent. Well,
0: Carla, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today, and I hope we'll have you on in the
1: future. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to meet you. And uh, thank you for helping us get our message out.